book lovers, and welcome to Rather Be Reading. You're Alyssa. And you're Persephone. Join us as we talk about our most recent reads and all things bookish. Here is the next chapter. Hey. Hi. <laughs> so we were talking about mattress poppers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and mattresses. I'm getting a new mattress for the first time. This will be the first mattress I've ever bought before. Last wow. one Rusty bought, and then before that, it was just like my childhood mattresses. Wow. So, yeah. That's I'm excited. Wild. Yeah. Did you, when you moved here, did you bring a mattress? Um, yes. It was my mattress that I had in, you know, high school. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Nice. Toted it down from Montana. That yeah. Is so like, and which was actually, it was my grandma's old mattress. So, oh, like, I haven't wow. had like a new mattress in a long time. What is your sleep like? Like, do you sleep well? Do you feel like what? It, what is your sleep? Normally, like? yes. Normally, I sleep like a rock. Yeah. And I can sleep like, I can fall asleep at eight and sleep until like eight. Like, I can sleep. I can sleep. I love sleep. Um, if I'm like stressed though. Or if it's hot, oh. I sleep horribly. So I got yeah. a cooling mattress. Hell yeah. Yeah. But yeah, super excited. But Rusty sleeps real, real bad. So mm. I was kind of deferring to him since I can sleep anytime, anywhere for the most part. <laughs> uh, on what felt good, like what, <laughs> what he needs. But I'm very excited. Kyle has this like incredible ability to like wake up and just roll out of bed. Just do it. Yeah. And I'm like. Like, I need to stare at my phone for 30 minutes, you know, ponder falling back asleep for another 30, have my cat meow on my face a few times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then once she falls asleep next to me, I'm like, it's game over, man. I'm going to nap with her. Right? (laughs) She's so cute. She's so cute. Yeah. (laughs) I have to sleep with this cat right now. Yeah. They're so precious. Oh, my gosh. Do your humans sleep with you? Um, Tiny does not. Shakoba has recently started sleeping. She oh. sleeps like curled up right next to me. And so we currently have a queen and we were debating getting like a queen or a king. Mm-hmm. King is so much more expensive. Mm-hmm. We, we went with queen again, just because like, we don't need a ton of space, but I was like, okay, there's you, there's me and then there's the cat. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> we need to kind of keep it into perspective. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, I absolutely love it. She never used to, but in the last, like, six months or so, she started sleeping with me every night. And I'm like... <gasps> it's it's so flattering. It's so honoring. Yeah, yes. I definitely feel like Shikoba's, like, your girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Tiny's definitely, like adores Rusty. Oh. Because Rusty's very respectful for I'm a lot more of like, I wanna hold you, I wanna yeah, touch you like oh, you're so cute. <laughs> I Whereas Rusty's just like, yeah, you can come chill on me if you want. And so sure enough she does. I'm like, it's so ironic that like yes. she'll she doesn't like I wanna cuddle. Yes. He's fine with not cuddling. But she'll cuddle with him. Oh, it's so infuriating. Much yeah. It's infuriating. Yes. Gabberton's is obsessed with Kyle, and I'm literally like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> You're like, rude. Rude. Yes. <laughs> We've had her for, like, I've had her for, like, 14 years. Yeah. And he has done in less than two years yeah. what I have not been able to do in, like, half of my life. Such bullshit. <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? What is this? I, I worked so hard for this. I will say, I went to um, D&D last night. <gasps> so good yeah and our game god our dungeon master (laughs) has guinea pigs oh yes they're so cute my aunt has this the sweetest 
little rotation going on. So oh. they have like a communal guinea pig, her and like a few of her friends. Oh so like God. they'll have the guinea pig for a week and then it'll go somewhere else for a week and like it oh. rotates around. Guinea pigs are real cute, man. They are so cute. Yeah. There are little sounds when they're talking. It's Yes! It's so cute! I fed one, uh, our dungeon master, Carlson, let me feed them carrots. Yeah. So I, like, held it through their little enclosure gate thing. Uh Their little crunching sounds. Oh, Oh my God. God. I I just did guinea pig ASMR, you know? Yes! Just a sweet little crunchy munchies. Yeah! (laughs) How many guinea pigs did you have? Three. Three. And one's, like, a mom. It's, like, a mama and two babies. That's so cute. I can't get over it. So cute. I'm jealous. So precious. (laughs) The pets you didn't know you wanted, but now you suddenly need. Yes. Guinea pigs. Any other updates? Um, updates. Yeah. I don't have any bookish updates. I did have kind of a humbling moment this morning. Do tell. So I was on my way over here. Okay. And I needed to stop and get gas. Mm -hmm. And as you know, Oregon's recently switched over to um, self-serve gas. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For those of you who aren't from Oregon, um... (laughs) I don't, do any other states? I don't think so. I have no idea. <laughs> we are the princesses. <laughs> right? In Oregon, for the longest time, yes. you could not pump your own gas. An attendant would come out and pump your gas for you, which is lovely in winter when it's cold and stuff like that. It can be annoying because the lines can get long and it runs a little slower. Yes. But we recently switched over to where you can self-serve <laughs> your own gas. How long were you waiting? Well, so not, okay, not at all. So <laughs> I'm from Montana where we've pumped our own gas. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. know how to pump my gas. And yeah. even still, when you go up, to the to the station there's mm-hmm. still an attendant who will come up just to make sure because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are still like you know yes roughing it mm-hmm. and you know I've, I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder I'm like no 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 I don't need any help like I've got this you know I got this. I can pump my own <laughs> gas and a couple of times it's been really satisfying because there will be these big burly like truck guys out there who have the attendant come and pump their own gas and I'm here with my little Prius pumping my own gas I'm like bitch I know what I'm doing yeah, yes. anyway so I've got I'm a woman yep, exactly <laughs> So I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. The attendant comes over. I'm like punching my stuff in, pull out my thing. He's like, you need any help? And I was like, no, 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 I got this. And I go and I'm putting my thing in and he's just kind of standing there watching me. And I'm like, I was kind of annoyed. I'm like, come on, man. Like, I've got, like, just because I'm a girl, I got this. And I'm putting my thing in and he turns to me. He's like, you only want 30 cents of gas? (laughs) And I was like, what? He's like, you put in 30 cents instead of $30. I was like, So I know at this point it'll be kind of like late, but um, a little back to school energy still. Mm-hmm. I just finished listening to the audiobook for The Lesbianist Guide to the Catholic School. Oh, it's so good. Oh my it's god, that's so good. wonderful. It's so <laughs> cute. It had me laughing so hard. Love it. And it's, yeah, it was such a good book. And I think it's like one, it's up there. It's like one, I think, like three awards. Nice. Who's it by? uh sonora reyes okay i think yeah and it's it's so good i loved it um 
And then this will be the, like the first our first full episode after back to school. So yeah. it's still relevant. It's lingering. It's, relevant. it's yeah. a lingering mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got this book that I actually lent to my friend Sid, and I think she thinks it's pretty cute, but it's called My Roommate's a Vampire. It's so <laughs> cute. It does sound cute. It looks adorable, and I feel like there's this, like, sub-genre of, like, that's, like, spooky rom-coms. Yeah. yeah and yeah, I'm, yeah. like, here for yeah. it. Yeah. It's so good. It's, like, spooky season. Super cute. Story. So yeah. cute. So... I thought that one looked really cute. I'm excited to like dive into mm-hmm. that. And then non-bookish, but in the same vein, the same vampire vein. <laughs> um, yesterday, so I went to this like book sale at the Beaverton Library. Mm-hmm. Every year they have like a sale where they get rid of like all their stuff that they've withdrawn or like stuff from their like friends at the library bookstore. Yeah. And I didn't really find anything, but except I looked through their, like, magazines. Kyle and I have been trying to get better at, like, cooking. Ooh. And so I was like, I want to look through all the cooking ones. Yeah. And just get them because they were a dollar. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I grabbed literally, like, all of them. And then I came back home, and Jaden was here, and Kyle was still working. And so my brother and I just had the most cozy afternoon. I, we sat there on our couch and we were looking through these cookbooks, like ripping out the pages yes. that we wanted to like cook. Yeah. Like the things. And so we were just kind of like scrolling through and then we wanted to put something on in the background. And so I, we started watching something that he's recommended to me and that my friend Alex has also recommended to me called what we do in the shadows oh yeah i've heard of it you have i haven't watched it oh my god it's so funny yeah it's so funny yeah i've heard it's amazing it's so good (laughs) and it's a it's like a mockumentary series about these like vampires but it's just so cheesy and so funny and like over the top it's so good i loved it and apparently like there's a movie and a tv show and we watched the show um, but we were just like laughing the whole time. Oh, that sounds so wholesome. It and cozy. was wonderful. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, precious sibling moment. Perfect fall vibes too. Yes, you got so your cook perfect. stuff. You got your yeah. vampire show on. Oh, Lovely. So good. so good. Leaves are starting to turn. Uh, it was delightful. fucking hot, but it was hot as balls. Hot as balls. I don't know. God. But yeah, no, it was so great. So I highly recommend. I decided Kyle and I are going to start it from the beginning and I'm going to like pay attention because yeah. it really is so funny. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Solid. Any other updates? So, no, <laughs> okay. I think that is it for me. Are you processing? Um, yes, I think I am. I think I'm kicking us off this week. I'm excited. This week, mm-hmm. my book mm-hmm. was The Last Tale of the Flower Bide by Roshani Chaksh. By Roshani Chakshi. It's a tough one for me to say. The Last Tale of the Flower Bride. <laughs> you got this. You got this. <laughs> the Last Tale of the Flower Bride by Roshani Chakshi. Woo! Got it. I guess to start us out, we're ta- we're doing Spooky Month. It's October. Woo-hoo. Um, The books we read are going to be spooky themed. Our mini suits are going to be spooky themed. Mm-hmm. So, which I love. I love, like... I love spooky stuff. So, oh, yeah. which is weird because horror has ne- has never been my thing. Um, so, I don't think that I, any of the books that I read this month are going to be like horror. Ooh. Per se. Okay. 
So um, what's your spooky energy? Like, are you like a thriller? Like creepy mystery. Um, mystery. This one's um, a mystery. Um, like kind of those creepy, gothic, dark, like yeah. I think dark vibes yeah. is kind of my sweet spot. Um, with spooky. To st- I guess to start talking about this book, I I almost DNF'd it in the first couple of chapters. Um, I ended up liking it. Okay. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but the first few chapters, I was like, this is the most pretentious thing I have ever read. Like, I don't think I can get through this, but I'm glad I stuck with it. It starts, the book starts out following the groomsman. And mm-hmm. the groomsman is a historian. Mm-hmm. He specializes in like myths and fairy tales Mm -hmm. and his work brings him to Paris where he's searching after like a specific artifact and the person who was the last known person to have this artifact is uh, Indigo Maxwell Casanata and who he originally thought was a man Mm -hmm. but ends up being a woman and she is the heiress to the Casanata fortune it's it's a very wealthy family Mm -hmm. her parents are dead she grew up under the care of her aunt, mm-hmm. but so she basically inherited all of the fortune at a very young age. I mean, obviously there were things in place and so she couldn't have access to it all at once and she, you know, she was sure. supervised, but she grew up very, very rich and they specialize in hotels, luxury mm-hmm. hotels. So that's where her fortune kind of comes from. So she meets him in one of her very fancy hotels in Paris. Mm. She basically tells him that she's interested in his line of work. She's done some reading, read mm-hmm. some, of, some of his articles. She's very interested in him because he kind of sees the other in life, like the kind of magic that lies in the undertones of life in general. Uh-huh. And so the first chapter, it's kind of them going back and forth in this luxury Paris hotel, mm-hmm. uh, exchanging like these very pompous riddles and speaking in like very flowery, rich people ways. Ugh. And it's just super pretentious and yeah. it's very insta love. Like, Ugh. she's obviously beautiful, rich, intriguing, mysterious, mm-hmm. um, all of these things. And he's instantly drawn to her and she's drawn to him. It follows them a little bit after they get to they get together and they do like a lot of rich people things like um, <laughs> like you know they travel all over the world and they you know talk about you know, they don't have any other concerns he's he's not rich necessarily I guess but mm-hmm. um, obviously well off to travel to Paris to just pursue some research he's doing you right, know right they they do a lot of discussion about like fairy tales folklore and like kind of their interpretations of these things and what they love about it and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and we get a little bit of the groomsman's background he doesn't have a name throughout the story he's always just referred to as it's from his perspective so it's an i it's first person uh-huh. but like the chapter titles are the groomsman like it never says his name yeah it's just the groomsman we get a little bit of his background he grew up with a younger brother mm-hmm. who he adored they adored mm-hmm. each other and they used to try to find like thresholds or like portals into the realm of like fairies and magic oh. and that sort of thing. Like very Narnia vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically, there's this one closet that they felt like, oh, they could feel magic the closest. And they used to go oh. in the closet together and just like feel the magic. And um, one day, you know, the, uh, the groomsman is like thinking back on his relationship with his brother and when he was a kid he went into the closet and he or he saw the closet doors propped open uh-huh. and he's like oh my brother's gotta be in there like I'm gonna go join him pops in brother's not there and he waits for him he's just chilling brother never comes along he goes and he starts like looking where's my brother where's my brother right and can't find him anywhere 
And he goes to his mom and he's like, where's my brother? And mm-hmm. she looks at him and is kind of startled. She's like, you don't have a brother. What? Yeah. Holy shit. And at first he's like, okay. She's obviously joking with me, but as she, he starts like looking around and looking around their home, like there's no pictures, there's no clothes, there's no, like there's no sign of him anywhere. The room that was his brother's room is like a completely different room. And Ooh. so he's obviously very confused. Yeah. And yeah. this is what kind of draws him to believe that there's like an alternate world. There's magic. He he kind of thinks his brother got somehow portaled somewhere else. Like like there's some yeah. other going on. And so that's what kind of drew him to his line of work and why he pursues magic as his mm. career, basically, like being a historian of myths and fairy tales. He's very into that. Yeah. So they get married pretty quickly and as they get married, she makes him promise to not go digging into her past, which of course he does. Of course. <laughs> but he does agree to the promise. Um, He's like, I'm a historian. I dig for a living. Right. <laughs> Ma'am. My wife is no different. But he, when he made the promise, he genuinely thought he was going to keep it. He's like, that's fine. Like, I love who you are now. You don't want me to go digging in your past. That's okay. Like, you are who you are now. I don't care what happened previously. I won't go digging. That's fine. Aww. But I want to read you the prologue of the book. So it goes, you warned me that knowing your secret would destroy us. At first, it sat in our marriage like a blue-lipped ghost, hardly noticeable until a trick of the light drew it into focus. But you could always tell the days when it gnawed at my thoughts. You tried to comfort me. You stroked my face and curled my fingers to your heart. You said, if you pry, you'll destroy our marriage. But oh, my love, you lied. So it's like, there's this kind of intriguing, like, with her backstory because she's obviously a very mysterious figure so after they get married they do some traveling move to the pacific northwest i think it's oregon but it doesn't specifically say but one of the other characters later on is from oregon so i think it's oregon it gets very pnw vibes but Mm. they move into the pacific northwest (laughs) i can't today They moved to the Pacific Northwest into a one of her homes. So she's already lived here before. <laughs> one of her homes. One of her home, exactly. Classic. But the, the house is entirely made of glass. Whoa. And it's on the coast. Very remote. Like, wow. in, I'd picture, like, the Oregon forest on the coast. Like, you're on a cliff. You're kind of Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute mansion. And Indigo keeps a gallery of beasts, she calls it, which basically the hallway to one of their rooms is a whole, like, statue room where she has, like, bronze heads of various animals and that sort of thing. And the bridegroom always feels, like, pretty uneasy in this room. He says it tastes of blood, like, the metal in the air, like, just kind of gives him this bad energy. Interesting. But Indigo loves the room. She loves it. And What time does this take place? Sorry. You know, it's... It doesn't give, like, a specific time. I picture uh-huh. it pretty modern. So, creepy glass house. Great. Love it. <laughs> um, on their first anniversary as a married couple, the anniversary falls on the opening of one of the new hotels, mm. which uh, the, the, groom's, the groom's bride has kind of gotten into the family business. He helps kind of develop the hotels and that sort of thing. Uh-huh. But so they go to the event for the grand opening of this hotel mm-hmm. and the groomsman as an anniversary gift buys his wife glass slippers, you know, Cinderella vibes. Cute. And she's so excited and mm. she's she's like, I'm going to wear them the whole night. She puts on these glass slippers and she dances the night away, you know, wears them the entire night. And it's only at the end of the night that when she's taking her shoes off that the um, 
The groom's bride notices that they're filled with blood and her toes are black and blue. Oh my god. Um, and he is, he's in awe of her, like, devotion to him. Like, look at that. Like, she, that's love right there. She wore these horrible slippers all night just to show me how excited she is and, like, her love for me and that sort of thing. Toxic, right? Super toxic. Oh god. But he loves it. He's all about it. And she's kind of all about it, too. Like, she's like, look at my it's like a foot fetish yeah, cousin. right exactly <laughs> um, you know that's kind of one example of kind of this dark and kind of twisty side of their relationship right and one quote that happens in kind of the beginning of the book is by the end of our third year of marriage I understood that the secret to everlasting love was fear and so they both talk about how oh I know I must love you because I fear you very strange yeah. but they're both like kind of afraid of each other but also like absolutely in love and obsessed with each other wild which is an interesting dynamic yeah was it believable not really like I mean it was insta love like you don't honestly get a ton of the interactions between the groom's bride and indigo it's more of just like they're I mean you do definitely see that they're both super intrigued by the other person but it doesn't ever feel like love to me right but you know yeah. I'm just so afraid of my partner so maybe that's my problem um yeah, doing it wrong right seriously oh I hope he's a little afraid of me side eye. yeah exactly so one day the bridegroom is in their home on the coast mm-hmm. and he comes across a piece of of indigo's secret past So he finds, he's going through the Gallery of Beasts, Mm -hmm. and he notices something under the paw of a lynx, and Mm -hmm. he's like, I have been in this room so many times, like, this this lynx is right by the door, like, I know I've seen every inch of this this animal. Uh But there is a bracelet woven out of human hair under the paw of the beast, and on the bracelet is kind of like a charm, but it is two teeth one of which has the letter A engraved in it. And so he's sitting there, he like touches it, he's like, what the fuck is this? And behind him comes Indigo, and she's pissed. She's like, you've been digging into my past? Like, what are you doing? She's absolutely furious with him, which I'm like, dude, you left this bracelet with hair in this room. What do you expect? And he kind of calls her on that too. He's like, you can't fault me for human curiosity when I find this in this room. Right. You know? It's there. Right? The like, is accessorizing. Yeah, I'm You curious. can't fault me for leaving your secrets <laughs> hanging out where everyone can see them, you know? Right, 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 right. But right. she's super fucking pissed. She takes off. She leaves for several days. Mm-hmm. He has no idea where she's gone. What? He's freaking out. She does come back, and he, he describes this immense sense of relief about having her back, because... Um, you know, he feared that she's flighty. She just left, abandoned him, no more done with him. But right. she comes back. When she comes back, she gets a phone call. And the phone call is from someone telling her that her aunt, who raised her, Tati is what she calls her. I'm mm-hmm. guessing that means that's like a, a nickname for aunt. Yeah. Um, her real name is Hippolyta. But mm-hmm. Tati, her aunt, is dying in her childhood home up mm-hmm. off the coast of Washington. They live on an island off of of Washington in this huge mansion called the House of Dreams, Ooh. which Indigo has not told the uh, the bridegroom really much about it. He knows that it exists, but obviously she doesn't share much of her past. He knows that it exists. Mm-hmm. He knows that her aunt lives there, mm-hmm. and he knows that she doesn't have super fond memories of the place, or or maybe not even necessarily fond memories of the place, but mm-hmm. she has been trying to distance herself from it. Oh, okay. 
Her aunt's dying. They decide they need to go so she can see her aunt before she dies. And they take off the next day to the House of Dreams. And the House of Dreams is this huge, opulent mansion. It kind of has this air of almost sentience where it's like when when the the groom's bride goes into the house, he feels like, you know, kind of like, oh, like things are watching him, that sort of thing. But it is clearly kind of in decay and has not been loved. It's kind of crumb like, you know, Ooh, that crumbling like old, yeah, 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 old yeah, yeah, house yeah. vibe, which he's kind of confused about because there's right. still staff on. They're very wealthy. And Indigo has kept staff on there to kind of upkeep it. But one of the staff that he talks to is like, she only lets us upkeep certain parts of the house. Otherwise, she doesn't want it touched. Weird. Um, For example, one of the things that kind of shows not even the house's decay, but the kind of creepy vibes of the home is as they were walking up to the house, he notices a a starling, a bird on the ground. Uh And it's dying. Mm -hmm. It's not dead yet. It's dying. There are ants crawling out of its eyes. (laughs) But it's still singing. Like, it's still, it's a songbird. It's still singing. So he's like, this is weird. <laughs> Yuck. I makes me shudder. That's so uncomfortable. I know. I know. Super gross. Oh, God. And so as they're going to the house, this doesn't technically happen when they're around the house. It's when they're in the town, kind of around the house. But someone recognizes Indigo, mm-hmm. comes running up, and calls her Azure. And then cracks. Oh, good, good, good job. Um, <laughs> but then they correct themselves and they're like, oh, you're not Azura, you're Indigo. And she's like, like, that's me. And um, they ask if she's seen Azure and she says she hasn't in years. And they're like, well, that's a, that's a bummer. Like, you two were so close. Bye, basically. Like, that's, you know, that's just the whole conversation. Hey, sounds super fluent, <laughs> yeah, love it. <laughs> Sorry, I keep bridegroom. I've been saying groom's bride. Oh, you're fine. The bridegroom. <laughs> groom's bride makes no sense. No, you're the fine. bridegroom. I because I, I just noticed I put groomsmen in my note, and I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> I questioned everything. <laughs> I questioned everything, yeah. and I've been wrong. The groom, the bridegroom, the bridegroom, the bridegroom. I'm probably gonna mess that up. You know what I'm trying to groom's say. Groom's bride sounds like so flowy and natural. It's groom bride. Well, groom's I think it's, uh, it comes more naturally to me because I used to listen obsessively to that Panic at the Disco song where they talk it's like the groom's bride is a whore. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, song. yeah. So groom's bride just comes naturally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh my god. Bridegroom. Bridegroom. The bridegroom sees kind of the pain on Indigo's face as she's reminded of Azure and he also remembers the A that was engraved on the tooth. The hair so, bracelet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he takes a little bit of a risk and he asks Indigo who Azure is. Mm-hmm. And she says that, you know, she was my best friend. We had a fight. She ran away after graduation. She was the closest I had to a sister growing up. Mm-hmm. And she says it's, it's really hard to speak of her. Like he kind of leaves it at that. He's like, okay, I got a little bit of information from her. I'm not going to push her on her past. Obviously, I made a promise not to. Right. So they go to the House of Dreams. They go inside. Hippolyta, the aunt, doesn't want to see Indigo. But when Indigo gets a phone call and is kind of distracted and busy for a little bit, one of the staff comes and gets the groom's bride. Bridegroom. (laughs) Gets the bridegroom. Is like, hey, uh, Hippolyta's summoning you and wants to speak to you. And he's like, okay. And then kind of as he's like halfway up the stairs to her room, he's like, Indigo 
probably wouldn't want me talking to her alone. Like, this is probably bordering on digging into her past. But he goes with it anyway. And he goes up to the aunt's room. She's blind. He describes the room as smelling of rot. You know, she's on her deathbed. It's not a pretty scene. She's frail, bedbound, not doing well. And so I want to actually read you a passage. So he goes up to Hippolyta's room. Mm -hmm. She cocked her head to one side. Well, are you? Pardon? Are you beautiful? I considered this, faintly amused. I was aware of how men and women looked at me, of how Indigo had looked at me that first night we met and every night after. Yes. Hippolyta's gray tongue snaked out from her lips. They say you're good at finding things, she said. Baubles, stories, secrets. I tried, I said, thinking she was referring to my work as a historian. You see, I lost a secret. It was very poorly done of me, said Hippolyta, shaking her head. It was not a secret I was supposed to lose. Maybe it is not a secret at all, but I, but an idea grown up in the dark and fed on dusks and twilights, don't you think? The question was not directed at me, but to the invisible thing beside her. I felt like the house was playing tricks on me, the walls leaning at an angle. Again, I thought Indigo wouldn't like this, and the thought made me straighten my back, look over my shoulder to the door. It was closed. I did not remember closing it. I don't think I can help you, ma'am, I said, moving backward. Hippolyta's hand darted out with surprising speed and grabbed me. Her bracelet slid down her thin arm, hitting my skin. The material felt wrong, warm somehow, too soft, not like twine or silk. Something tickled at the back of my throat. You're wrong, beautiful, she said. Tell me, how well do you know your bride? I slid my tongue around my mouth, working out whatever was stuck at the back of my throat, moving it to the front of my teeth. Perhaps it was a piece of wool from my scarf. Does she love you? asked Hippolyta. Her milky eyes found mine. Does Indigo love you? Yes, I managed. Hippolyta laughed. I could not take it anymore. I reached between my lips and my fingers closed on something caught on my tongue. When I pulled, I saw that I was holding a strand of long black hair. I had seen it before, I realized. Twisted into a bracelet, a tooth hanging off the end with a single engraved letter. A. Azure. And then that's where the perspective of the book shifts. And we go back in time to Azura as she's growing up as a kid. What? Yeah. So definitely creepy gross. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, now I feel hair in my throat. Have you ever had like a hair stuck oh in your Oh my god, throat? and you pull it out. Yeah. And, or like in your eyeballs. Yeah. And you just, bleh. it's horrible. Bleh. Horrible sensation. It's disgusting. Absolutely gross. Bleh. So, flashback to Azure, it's the stories told from Azure's perspective, and actually the first line, when we switch to Azure's perspective, is, the first thing you have to understand is that I loved her. So, is the rest of the story told in her perspective? No, it it bounces back and forth. It's mostly in Azure's perspective, but it does bounce back and forth between her and the bridegroom. And so, we see her and Indigo as children. Mm -hmm. It kind of spans a period of time. I think the first time they meet is when she's eight. Her her mother and her mother's boyfriend move to the coast off of Washington from Oregon. She's the character who I mentioned who was from Oregon originally. Her mom's boyfriend is horrible. Disgusting. It kind of turns into one of those things where mom's boyfriend is eyeing the daughter. Disgusting. Yeah. Really gross. And she's obviously a minor. (laughs) And it creates this weird, gross, painful jealousy situation from the mom to her daughter um so 
yeah, Azura does not have a very good home life. They're not very wealthy, but they live, you know, down the street from this opulent mansion. Mm-hmm. And the first time Azura sees Indigo, Indigo's outside her house holding a punch bowl of milk and blood. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Azura is instantly intrigued, you know, goes and introduces herself. She's like, what? Yeah, she's like, great. And um, the first time they meet, uh, Indigo's like, I'm trying, I'm leaving out an offering for the fairies. And, um, Azira's like, I want to too. Cuts her hand, like they make their little milk and blood bowls, leave them out. And as kids do. Right, as kids do. And so her and Indigo basically instantly become attached at the hip. And they both believe in this kind of like other realm, you know, this realm of fairies and that there's magic pervading the world. And they're constantly seeking it out, constantly like making offerings and sacrifices and forming rituals and living their lives as if there's this other world. Oh. And they have a really obsessive sort of friendship with each other. Mm-hmm. They love each other so deeply mm-hmm. and are so passionate about each other. But there is this kind of imbalance because Indigo has everything and Azura has nothing. Right. And it's told from Azura's perspective, so you see kind of her struggles with it. But mm-hmm. Indigo does give Azura everything, like what's mine is yours, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, she has free reign of the house. She stays there almost every night. She goes back home like maybe once a week. But they share a bed. They share clothes. They share, you know, uh, Tati, you know, loves mm-hmm. them both. And so there's kind of this blend of both of their lives together. Mm-hmm. But Azura is often referred to as Indigo's shadow. Mm-hmm. Indigo is obviously kind of the ringleader and makes kind of a lot of the decisions for the both of them. And yeah. for the most part, Azura is just happy to go along. She's just so in love with the life that she has. And right. not even the life, but she's in love with Indigo. Like, mm-hmm. not in a romantic way, but there's so much love right. between the two of them. It gets very obsessive. Mm-hmm possessive by both of them kind of and ultimately it's like kind of toxic but it's really a beautiful friendship in a lot of ways too as the story goes on things start to get darker and darker in Azir's perspective Mm -hmm. as they start to you know kind of really pursue getting into this other realm Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of dark themes that go on there but once I hit Azir's perspective that's where I started actually really liking the book Nice. Up until then, I was when I was kind of wanting to DNF it, I was like, this is stupid. Um, I don't want to ri- read about, like, this rich, mysterious heiress, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But it was, <laughs> it was really intriguing. And it was, like, while it was really, like, kind of horrific and, like, vicious and dark, it was also, like, really beautiful, particularly in the way the story was told and, like, the beauty in the horror, kind of, Ooh. Is, is how it like it's framed yeah so that's where I'm gonna leave it because there's kind of the multiple mysteries that go on there's the mystery of the groom's bride the bridegroom and the brother that was never there right and then there's also the mystery of azure uh indigo obviously has azure's hair especially her teeth (laughs) and azure is missing no one's seen her in years so it's kind of uncovering what happened in the past as it happens you know you kind of read it read it all unfold as it happens in the book but also from the groom's bride the the man's perspective um (laughs) of what he's uncovering as well so you kind of get the dual uncovering of the mystery i gave it a four out of five this book would really work for people who really like magical realism as a genre oh, or love really lyrical literary prose. It's very literary. 
I, I do stand by, it's very pretentious. And a lot of the reviews I read are like, this is uh, one of the, I wrote down a couple of the one-star reviews. Ooh, yeah. One of them was overwritten pretentious drivel, <laughs> which I absolutely agree with. It is. Um, but if you like to read something and feel like a little bit superior for reading it, yes. like well, avant-garde. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. And if you love metaphors, there's a fuck ton of metaphors wow. in here. Very flowery writing. And it's definitely for like those girls who grew up like, thinking they were seeing magic everywhere, like looking for magic in all of the little aspects of the world. And it's also a very uneasy book. So if you like, it's not necessarily horror, but if you like feeling uneasy and not knowing what's happening, and there's a lot of, it's really interesting because there's a lot of dark stuff that's going on, but Mm -hmm. it's told from people who like that sort of thing. So it's framed as really beautiful and special. So it's this, Mm -hmm. it makes someone who's not into those things very uneasy which I really enjoyed there's a really good plot twist at the end I did kind of see it coming Mm. but it didn't necessarily take away from the twist nice and uh it was very satisfying nevertheless and one of of the other things I really loved about this book is that it doesn't tell you if magic is actually real or not like it just interesting it's it's told from people who really believe that there is magic but it's never like Oh, and then they saw the other realm, or and then they saw this. Right. Like the the girls will like go down to the creek and leave an offering for the selkies, but it never says if there's actually selkies, like or like right. if there's actually fairies. Like it's they, a selkie. It's like a river, a river creature. Oh, I really liked that it allows you to feel the magic in right. the world without stating, "Oh, there is magic." Right. You know, it kind of really reinvigorates that idea that the world is magical as it is anyway right which I really like and it it gives like the natural world a sense of wonder I think um the other one one star review that I wrote down was (laughs) holy manny Manny. (laughs) holy manic pixie dream girl batman which it is it's a very manic pixie dream girl um particularly for like indigo as an adult like yeah she's definitely that like ethereal like so rich that she can do whatever she wants flitting in and out and like it's definitely I can see why this book definitely isn't for everyone Mm -hmm. and it wasn't entirely for me like I did give it a four out of five just because it did border on like too pretentious and there's a lot of like the writing um a lot of it I was like what does that even mean like (laughs) Like, wait what (laughs) there's this one description that I remember I'm probably gonna butcher it a little bit but it was describing like it was like she felt like the nostalgia for a book you've never read. And I was like, what does that mean? Right. I don't get it. Like, right. it's what, it, there's a lot of those phrases where, like, if you sit down and, like, really think about it and dissect it, like, it might make a little bit of sense. Right. Or, like, another one that I remember was, like, the kiss, like, one of the kisses between the um, bridegroom and Indigo is described as the taste of the ghost of roasted plums or something. It's like, what? what? <laughs> What's the ghost of roasted plums? Taste the like? LaCroix flavor? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. So there's a lot of like really flowery descriptors where you're like, it doesn't really make sense, but it's beautiful, I guess. Yeah. You know? So if you like that sort of thing, it's, it's definitely a book for you. I really liked the dark atmosphere and yeah. the like unease. And I'm kind of into like creepy witch shit. So oh, yeah. if you like creepy witch shit, this would definitely oh, yeah. be up your alley. Just hold out until you get to Azir's perspective, because the first part of the book, you're going to be like, this is stupid. 
Yeah. Like, rich people just doing what they want, believing in fairies. Classic. Great. Sounds good. <laughs> but once you get to Azir's perspective, where there's just, like, little girls discovering, like, magic and oh. all this thing, it's fun. It's fun. I love yeah. that. I'm all about the creepy witch shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Creepy witch shit. I'm like, blood beautiful. and milk? Hmm. Yeah. Ooh, do mm. tell. Yeah. Do tell. <laughs> donate to the crime right, exactly <laughs> i'll leave an offering out yeah exactly <laughs> that's so wild i feel like also it's kind of frustrating because like one of the reasons why you didn't choose like an olive olive yeah. blake book yeah. was because of kind Pretent- of the, the yes! yeah so it's like uh, yeah um it, it found its way to you it regardless. did yeah maybe i should try the tundra shit like <laughs> yeah like feeling superior to other people every now and then knock you further from the <laughs> And then I was going to ask, too, even though they don't, like, specify that, like, magic does or does not exist, did you still feel like the mysteries were solved in a way that was, like, satisfying to you? Yes, definitely. You felt satisfied? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because they are, the mysteries are grounded in reality. Like, Mm -hmm. what happens in both mysteries is, like, it's reality. So, like, even though, yeah, it's kind of hard to describe without giving spoilers, but, like, the mysteries aren't rooted in, like, the magic that is presented in the world that you do or do not know exists, if that makes sense. Interesting. But I can see it being kind of like, yeah, if both mysteries happened when they were both, like, young kids, kids too, yeah. it's yeah. that thing where, like, you see things differently yes. once you're older. Exactly. I know, that's so interesting. Exactly, yeah. Um, And then my last question, I was wondering, would you ever marry somebody if you didn't know anything about their past. No, I don't ever. Oh, see, I don't think I would. Like, you know who they are now. Yeah. And they are very open about who they are. But like, can you be open about who? Because I feel like your past really frames who you are. Yeah. So I'm like, can you fully be open about who you are now while not revealing anything about your past? I don't know. It's hard, I guess. It's hard. Yeah. Especially if someone's like, if you're a little afraid of them, I'd be um, a little less uh, keen to be blind to their past. Yeah, they're like, promise you won't dig into my past. Yeah. There's just blood dripping. As you find this tooth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, no, it's casual. It's fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> but the weird thing is, is that the guy is kind of fine with it. He's like, no, that's fine. Like that, because he's like into the, the like kind of dark fairy tale shit. So he's just kind of like. I'm curious, but, like, it is what it is. Yeah. For a lot of it. I mean, obviously, he goes digging further, but um, shit, gets, <laughs> shit gets a little more creepy, you know, as he's digging around yeah. and Indigo's caught on his trail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess if he is a historian, it's kind of, like, a hope for the mystery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I agree with you, though. Like, there is, how can you, and then also, if somebody is, like, withholding all of their past, like, what is so shameful? Yeah. That you feel like I can't know it at all. Right. And then it's like, well, does that mean that I should be ashamed of my past too? Right. How do you ever... Reconcile that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a standalone? It is, yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. So everything wraps up in a nice little bow at the end. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Which is satisfying. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. All right. Tell us what you read. (laughs) So I read Hidden Pictures by Jason Rekulik. Ooh. Rekulik. A replic. Um, I saw this book everywhere for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Like I was seeing it all over Bookstagram, and I saw it got like a ton of really good reviews. 
And I had never heard of this author before. Yeah. But um, I looked him up, and you know, have you seen those? They're children's books, but they're children's books about, like, movies that are, like, so there's one for, like, Home Alone. There's one for, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No. There's one for, like, The X-Files. I don't think I've seen those. There's, like, a Home Alone book. That's like a kid's book. Okay. And he wrote all of those. Okay. I had nice. an idea. Somebody else illustrated them. They're yeah. so fucking cute. Nice. But yeah, I'll have to show you pictures. So cute. But yeah, so he wrote those. Nice. Okay. Wild. Okay. <clears throat> so, hidden pictures. This story follows Mallory Quinn. She's 21 years old and she's 18 months clean. Um, she was addicted to prescription pills and heroin. Okay. And so she's working with her sponsor, Russell, um, to get her first job since kind of getting out of rehab. Yeah. Russell's sister uh, works at a VA hospital mm-hmm. um, and kind of heard about this job through his sister, where this woman who also works at the hospital, Caroline Maxwell, needs a nanny for her five-year-old son, Teddy. And so that is how Mallory's introduced to the Maxwells. Okay. So again, Caroline works for, like, at the VA hospital. She's a doctor. Um, and Ted, her husband, um, is a website, like, web consultant for, okay. like, bigger companies. Like, like Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always drawn to read about Cracker Barrel in a book. <laughs> Mallory's like, hey, Mallory, have you ever been to a Cracker Barrel? <laughs> She's like, uh. Sadly, yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> so she meets them, and at first, you know, she has her official interview. She and Caroline just totally hit it off. Um, they know about her past, um, and they're totally okay, okay with it, especially since Mallory's like, I haven't, like, touched drugs. I'm, like, 18 months clean. Mm-hmm. Like, you can test me at any time, and, like, that's totally within your mm-hmm. right, and I will, like, yeah, whatever. And then during the interview process, Ted, the dad, is, like, a little bit more, like, oh, you're an ex-drug user. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, oh, you don't have a college education. Mm-hmm. Like, like you. Yeah, Ugh. he's slimy slime. Yeah. But... She really connects with Teddy, the little boy. So cute. He's really shy, but she kind of leans down so that they're like eye level. And she's like, You must be Teddy. And he just kind of like shyly smiles. Oh, it's so cute. Heartwarming. (laughs) And Teddy loves to draw. Mm -hmm. So it's super cute. So the Maxwells end up talking and. Mallory is positive she's not going to get the job just because of how brutal Ted was during the interview process. But Caroline's like, he'll come around, he'll come around. And she ends up getting the job. Okay. Um, and so the Maxwells live in this massive house. Of course. It's, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a super nice house. They have a pool in the backyard with this sprawling lawn. And then they have an accessory dwelling unit. Um, kind of. That's what ADU stands yes! for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the only reason I know that is my time in local government. <laughs> yeah. <Fair enough>. yeah. <laughs> An ADU. Yep. <laughs> <Driving> plus permits. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and so 
they have one that used to be a shed, but now it's kind of like a little tiny house. So it's just, they call it the cottage. It's just a little cottage across the lawn. Cute. Um, and it's kind of backed up against this like wooded foresty area. Sounds um, lovely. I'm sure it's not. It does sound <laughs> so lovely yeah. though. <laughs> and um, it's right next to, it kind of sits right next to these like trails that kind of goes through the woods that kind of lead to other um, houses mm. too in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how they're, situation yeah it's always funny in like scary books or movies it's like either it's this beautiful mansion or this like rundown shack you yes. know like there's not like people there's living no in, in normal houses <laughs> yeah. you know like yeah. like a suburban neighborhood you know yeah yeah normal scene <laughs> doesn't happen there <laughs> no it's too suburban yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's pretty wild honestly yeah. it is always something so gorgeous yeah or grandiose or so terrifying <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah it is definitely like one of those bougie neighborhoods yeah. I mean, they do have these like winding trails that like yeah lead to all these really nice homes and houses mm-hmm. and and it goes into like their downtown where they have this really cute like coffee shop like it's so cute yeah it kind of gives like stars hollow energy Ooh, i love it i love stars hollow i love gilmore girls oh so good i haven't finished it you haven't finished it i know i should uh there's this point where it's reasonable to stop don't watch the new i mean oh you can you can totally watch the new it just wasn't my favorite yeah yeah anyway <laughs> yeah, it's I should give it a go. But it definitely has that kind of close knit community energy Cute. a little bit. Yeah. Um but the Maxwells had just moved there within the past like six months. Okay. Um and they have this eccentric neighbor who is super cringe and a little yuck. <laughs> she always has Fox News on. Mm-hmm. She's an absolute racist. Oh, yeah. Um, Love that. Yeah. (laughs) She always has, like, incense burning, and her profession is that she is a professional psychic. God, it's so weird how there's some crossover between, like, people who you'd think would be total fucking hippies. Yes! And, like, the furthest left you could possibly lean, but then they circle, like, so far back around that they're back in the Fox News, like, Trumpy territory, and it's like, how? It never fails to amaze me. Uh It happens way more often than I would have ever suspected. Honestly. Yes. Oh, God. Okay, so neighbor's gross. Yeah, she's yuck. Her name is Mitzi. (laughs) (laughs) Mitzi! The son, Teddy, is... At the end of the summer, because Mallory is just hired to be his nanny over the summer while he's home, he'll be going to school and starting kindergarten in the fall. Um, and so Mallory is invited, once she gets the job, to live in this cottage. Um, she gets to bring all of her stuff um, and just kind of move in and settle in and make mm-hmm. it her home. And then she kind of gets into this routine. She loves it there. Mm-hmm. She is a runner, or she used to be a runner before she was on drugs, um, and so her sponsor, Russell, is, like, a, a retired kind of, like, athletic coach, mm-hmm. so he's been, like, coaching her on her runs and stuff, and, like, how to kind of build those muscles mm-hmm. back up and kind of to increase her distance, mm-hmm. and she and Teddy get really close, 
And so they just do everything together. They go on a lot of walks and explore like all of the different little wooded trails and offshoots. And Sounds lovely. It's so cute. They walk by this house every day that has all these flowers and Teddy calls it the castle, like the flower castle. Mm-hmm. It's just like such a childlike yeah. wonder. Yeah. It's wonderful. Mallory's getting kind of into this routine of um, Ted and Caroline go to work. She comes in. She hangs out with Teddy. They have like a morning activity and then they come back and they have like a little lunch time and they have quiet time. It's so cute. So, and then they go swimming. Yeah. It's so cute. Yeah. And then Teddy kind of starts talking about Anya, who is his imaginary friend. Oh, never a good sign. Never a good sign. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he draws pictures. He loves to draw. Mm-hmm. And he starts drawing Anya and she looks fucking terrifying. Oh, great. <laughs> she looks. Like what's her toes from what's her toes <laughs> from the ring? Oh, great! Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. That one? Love that. Yeah, yeah. Terrifying. Samaya or something. Samaya. Something like that. Yeah. Samara. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's that like dark yeah. hair over the you know just their face always or their hair always looks really greasy or really yes. wet. Like, like why? Is, why are they always yeah. wet? Why? <laughs> why are they? Bam. <laughs> and so like sometimes you know like Mallory and Caroline will be talking. Um, you know when. Caroline gets home they become really close too so Mallory really is kind of included as part of their family um how does the dad feel about this he totally changes okay she's like I don't know what changed I don't know how I won him over somehow he was so gruff during the interview but like when she gets off, like, the train, because um, she doesn't have a car, she gets off the train, and he and Teddy pick her up, and he's, like, a completely different person. Okay. And she's okay. like, I don't know why. <laughs> so she's like, I guess I did something wrong. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, so Teddy will draw these pictures of Mallory and Caroline at the table, and Anya, his imaginary friend, will be drawn, like, <laughs> under the table. <laughs> and she's like, I hate that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And so Teddy continues to draw these pictures mm-hmm. of her, and Mallory's trying to kind of ask these questions of like, "Oh, who is this? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know." And sometimes, like, he draws during quiet times, so she'll go upstairs really quietly and kind of like listen in, and you can hear him responding. Like, don't like it. There will be like don't a, like it. a quiet pause. And then he'll respond to whatever he's hearing or whoever he's hearing. And so Mallory kind of brings it up with the parents, with Ted and Caroline, and is like, I'm a little concerned. Yeah, like I hear him having these one-sided conversations. It's like, I don't know. Is this normal? (laughs) And like they get really kind of defensive. And are kind of just like he that's imaginary friends that are like normal for little kids. Like she's like, I don't know, I just am wondering like maybe he needs a doctor. Mm-hmm. And Caroline gets so defensive. She's like, I am a doctor. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, but are you a pediatric doctor? Right. Right. <laughs> <Not>. <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> like, are you a foot doctor? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of, you know what, what do you do? <laughs> and then, you know, Caroline tells Ted, be like, okay, stop driving this project. Like, try to find a different hobby. Try to find, you know, redirect yeah. attention. Um, and so Teddy continues to draw these pictures. Um, and they slowly become more and more, like, kind of, like, detailed and more and more like like skilled like oh. too skilled for a five-year-old Ooh. Ooh. yes so they kind of become like more precise more like artistic yeah. more specific so Mallory is just continuing to be totally stressed out yeah. yes and Teddy's like, please don't tell my parents that I'm drawing these pictures, like, on me swelling them. Like, she, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, she walks up and is listening during quiet time one day, and he's like, oh, that feels, like, funny, like, something, something like that. And we find out, like, Mallory believes that Anya's kind of, like, possessing Ew. Teddy yeah. to draw, like, Ew. through him these pictures. Yeah. And the pictures end up being kind of these, like, scenes about, like, a woman being murdered. Oh, Jesus. And a woman getting buried. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes. The digging. The digging. <laughs> um, and so she's like, oh, my God. Like, he's being possessed. And um, he goes, or she goes in to kind of check on him. And it's like, are you okay? And he's like, what happened? Like, he, it's, like, all a blur when he's drawing these pictures. And then she tells Caroline and Ted about it because she's, like, worried about his safety. Mm -hmm. Um, And she kind of breaks Teddy's trust to talk to Ted and Caroline about it because he's like, please don't tell us. Yeah. Um, But she's like, I'm afraid for Mm -hmm. this child. And so she ends up telling them. They kind of dismiss her again. And then Ted comes out and he's like, Teddy, don't draw pictures of Anya. You're scaring Mallory. And Teddy just looks, like, so betrayed. It was so sad. Not the way to break that, Dad. Come on. So sad. And Mallory's like, I know for a fact that this boy was possessed because when I walked in and, like, saw him at the tail end of the drawing, like, he... The pencil is in his right hand, and this boy's a lefty. Oh. So she knows. Oh. She knows. So for once, someone's, like, believing it's happening instead of, like, oh, how interesting. Like, I'm concerned, but not for possession. <laughs> right. Right. She's like, I know for a fact, mm-hmm. because this would not happen. Yeah. Um, And so she ends up meeting and has, like, a little kind of, like, a romantic interest mm-hmm. in one of, like, the landscapers, Adrian, okay. whose family lives in the Flower Castle. Okay. So, he lives really close by, but the Maxwells have hired him to um, kind of, like, take care of their property. Yeah. And so, it's, like, one of his summer jobs that okay. he works for his father, who owns the company. But she kind of tells him about it, and he believes her. He's like, no, for sure, like... This is, like, creepy shit. And he's, like, also, there was, like, a woman who was murdered in the cottage that Mallory's living in. And he's, like, it happened in the 1940s. Her name was Annie, Annie Barrett. And so he's, like, 
Annie, Anya. Yeah. But they don't quite align, but they are Close similar enough. enough. Yeah. Yes. So he kind of agrees to help her, um, but he doesn't really know anything about her past. And so she, on the spot, feels a lot of pressure to, like, lie because she does still feel that lingering shame yeah, of being an ex drug addict. Yeah. Um, so she says that she's, you know, like an athlete, she's a runner, um, because she is a really yeah. excellent runner and she did get a running scholarship before she had drug problems and um so she tells him that she's like a Penn State student mm-hmm. and she's a professional runner. Mm-hmm. But um they kind of agree to work together. And then Mallory is convinced that the ghost of Annie Barrett is possessing Teddy and drawing through him the experience of how she was murdered. Ooh. Yeah. So um, it kind of, the story kind of becomes about Mallory trying to prove to the Maxwells that Teddy is not okay, that there's something wrong, that there is a mystery to be solved here. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, she's kind of walking on thin ice because the more that she brings it up, the more that they're like, are you using again? Uh-huh. Like, are you like, what is your problem? You look unwell. Like, you know, but she's like, I am unwell because there's some possession <laughs> shit going on. Yeah. Yeah. You need a fucking exorcism. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, like, pictures end up showing up, like, on her doorstep at the cottage or, like, on her bed. Yuck. It's so creepy. Um, She ends up asking Mitzi, the eccentric neighbor, to perform, like, this kind of seance. And they have, like, a Ouija board and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, a whole thing. Whole shebang. Yes. Um, And so that's kind of where I'll leave it. Okay. Um, But, okay, Bob. I loved this book yeah? so much. Okay. I gave it five out of five stars. I love it. It's so good. Um, I felt like the pacing was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like it was so perfect. Um, and I felt like Mallory's character was so believable. Like she is just kind of your everyday person. Yeah. And it really touched a a lot on grief and um her slip into drug use because her sister dies and we know like from the beginning that her sister is dead um and so we kind of find out why and it's from this car accident where Mm -hmm. Mallory was driving and so she feels so responsibility yeah right out of a bunch of cars were kind of like smashed in the process um something fell out of one of the cars that was like in front of them so it hit a bunch of people and mm-hmm. you know but um Mallory's sister Beth was the only casualty and so oh. she's just been carrying that with her yeah and she was injured in the car accident and needed kind of like a lot of PT and things like that um and so they prescribed her oxy ah uh, yeah and she's a teenager and you know she was saying the way she described it like I used and used this medicine because it could dull the pain and take it away mm-hmm. and then when I was better in terms of like my physical movement mm-hmm. right like I still 
needed, you know, my medication. Like, yeah. she's like, so I was able to lean on, you know, my classmates and who's, because everyone just has a bottle of Oxy in their house, like. Casual. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so she's like, but once that supply kind of ran out, she's like, you know, I, I would buy them. I did my best. But then she, like, ran out of all her money. Yeah. She's a teenager. Yeah. And um, so she's like, I found out that, like, heroin does the Cheap. same thing. Yep. It's way cheaper. And so that is how that happened. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was just such a such a believable and, like, sensitive, like, way to approach mm-hmm. telling that kind of mm-hmm. story. Like, that it's born from such a profound grief mm-hmm. that, like, no person should ever have to experience. Yeah. And, like, how that kind of leads to these coping mechanisms and how these things can, like, yeah. snowball. Like, yeah. I thought that was, like, really beautifully yeah. done. Yeah. And I think also, like, because, I mean, when I grew up, like, I had, like, three, like, orthodontia surgeries. So, we had bottles of oxygen yeah. in our cupboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I totally bought pills, like, right. in high school. Not, like, a ton. Or right. And it was not something that, like lasted right but just knowing that it was born out of being like a very upset like Mm -hmm. teenager Mm -hmm. I was it was just so so believable yeah so real so I also thought that like watching her recover was so beautiful um you know through like her long runs and through the way that she like established routine yeah and you know through the ways that she was starting to like dress up and would put on dresses and like feel beautiful was just like oh so good so good loved her relationship with teddy Mm -hmm. so cute and they just were total buddies and i loved it yeah Um, very sweet so good um and then yeah so well paced it was like short chapters but like also so many pictures and drawings oh i like that yeah like so it starts with these like little pictures <laughs> so they start cute and I'm yeah. guessing they devolve yeah so they start here I think I just saw one with Anya's hair yeah. ooh, <laughs> ooh, creepy? oh that's nightmare inducing it's so creepy it's even worse than the like kids stylistic yes. I saw sketch so too I yeah like, oh god and there's one where she's like under a table it's so creepy I hate it. It's so <laughs> creepy. But then they get like so like oh oh specific. yeah yeah. And you're like, what the hell? Jesus, like that's so creepy. Like so, it's really cool. There are like tons of pictures yeah. throughout, and I just thought that yeah, the pacing and like how they used illustration to kind of tell the story mm-hmm. was like really incredible. Well, then, yeah. There is a twist, like. 60 pages before the end. Oh, God. That was, like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I literally was, like, I think I wrote a twist. 60 pages before the end, which takes things from a reasonable level of, what? How is this going to wrap up? How is this happening? To, holy motherfucking, what, what, what? Blah. (laughs) (laughs) It was, like, insane. That's amazing. I had this moment of like, oh my god, oh my god, and um, so I thought that was like really wild. Yeah. And then just like a lot of, there's also this really creepy scene where like Mallory, so 
the pictures have gone too far. <laughs> and so Caroline, the mom, takes all of, like, the drawing stuff, like, all the paper, all the pencils, all the pens, and puts them all high up on a shelf that Teddy can't get yeah. to. And she just kind of thrusts, like, an iPad <laughs> in his direction. It's like, play Angry Birds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, okay. And Mallory's like, I'll just let him play for an hour during quiet time, and then, like, we'll go and, like, stay outside. Mm -hmm. um, but then she falls asleep, and mm -hmm. she's kind of, like, taken over. Yeah. She has these, like, nightmares or, like, this nightmare. And then she wakes up, and it's been four hours. No! Her, yeah, the parents are almost home. Oh, God, that's terrifying. And she's drawn all of these pictures. There's, like, charcoal all over her hands. She's like, what the fuck? And the entire wall is oh, God. these detailed illustrations of this woman being oh, murdered. Oh, God. Yes. What? What did she do? She's like, well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, she gets fired. But, oh, God. <laughs> but it really is, like, you know, there are a well, lot. Well, because, yeah, if you're the parents at that point, I'd be like, okay, she's been doing all this and blaming our son. Right. That's what right. I would think. A hundred percent. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it was really interesting. And there were, like, there were a lot of themes of, like, desperation and fear and the cost of each and, like, how, you know, one of the things I loved about Mallory's character was that, like, she did experience this shame, but when it came to protecting Teddy, she was like, no, like, I am clean. Like, I know that I have this, like, past, and it's dark, and it's scary, and I don't want to necessarily face it right now, but that's not what this is about. Like, yeah. I am clean. Yeah. And, like... And so there are multiple times where, like, her sponsor is like, are you okay? And she's like, fucking test me. Like, yeah. I'll do it right now. Right. And so she does, and it comes out clean every time. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's a time after the drawing on the wall incident where the Maxwells are like, give us your pee. Like, we're doing yeah. a test. And she's like, fine. Like, yeah. And every time you're kind of, like, dreading the moment where you're like, it comes out. please don't yeah. let this be, like... Yeah. <laughs> please yeah and every time it's clean and yeah. she's like no I'm telling you right like this is real yeah and so just seeing like her constantly being discredited and like losing her like credibility because of like her past was really frustrating Super frustrating as a reader and like yeah it was really powerful and moving how she was like no like this is what is true. Mm -hmm. I know it. Even if I look crazy, even if nobody believes me, right. even if I'm starting to not believe me, right. I know. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so I thought that was beautiful. And then um, the last thing I'll say, which is like, it's like a partial spoiler, but not really. Okay. Um, is that there's this part where um, near kind of the end, it's like in the last quarter, we find out through various ways and means that Annie Barrett actually wasn't murdered. Oh. So, if not her ghost, oh. then whose oh. ghost? Mystery upon mystery. Yeah. Creepy, creepy. So, was it scary for you? Like, were you were there points where you were, like, scared? Um... I think there were parts where I was like, oh, God, like, yeah, 
and I, there was this stressful, I think a lot of it was very stressful because you knew that like Mallory was walking this fine line, like, and continuing to bring this up with Teddy's parents and they were getting so frustrated, like with her. And so I think there was this like really stressful cause they're like no spirituality, no ghosts. Don't talk to Teddy about these things. Yeah. Like I will not have it. And so she's like, and so, but there is this, like, this desperation of, I need answers. Yeah. Because this isn't going away. Right. And so she, like, Adrian, her love interest, the landscaper, um, he kind of hangs out with Teddy, and they have, like, pool time. And uh, Mallory runs down to her cottage and has Mitzi come over to do this, like, seance, mm-hmm. because the, the Maxwells are, like, at work. Um, and so it's this really stressful yeah. moment of like, yeah. how are they going to get find out? Yeah. Yes. And like, Mitzi's a talker. Is she going to like yeah. snitch? Like, what are they going to find? You know, it's like a bunch of, a bunch of wild stuff. So it was suspenseful. Yeah. I wasn't like terrified. Right. You, you were still falling asleep. Okay. At night. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I do think similarly to your reaction, when I saw some of those pictures, like the one yeah. of Anya under the table, I was like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> chill. That's chill. so creepy. Do not like that. Ugh. And like, what would you do in that situation? I mean, you nanny, like, what would you do? Oh my God. I don't even know. Cause it's so hard to like, look at the sweet baby daughter that you're taking care of and then be like where is this coming from yeah like what is going on here right like how do you reconcile that and like coming to the answer of possession like Mm -hmm. especially as like either a nanny or a parent or someone who cares about the child you're like okay well i'm not like right your first instinct when it like with most like scary movies i'm like why don't they just move from this stupid house yeah but like when it's a child it's Mm. like I know we have to make sure this kid's okay. Like, yeah. I can't just take off and, like, not care. Right. You know? Like, I love this little baby. Yeah. Yeah. Get yeah. freaking Anya out of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, it's... Well, and that's kind of an interesting part, too, I felt like, because there is this, like, desperation, I feel, yeah. of, like, Teddy's parents of being, like, I cannot accept... I cannot accept this. Yeah. So somebody else has to be to blame and like mm-hmm. blaming Mallory and yeah. like blaming their neighbor. And like, you know, it, it was just really interesting to kind of. Well, at a certain them. level, I'm sure it's like fear too. Like how yeah. can you, like if you accept that this is your child and it's like, right. fuck. Yeah. Like, fuck. Like it's so much easier if there's like another reason for it. Right. Know? Right. Cause yeah. then where do you go from there? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Like, okay, I'm just part of the family. (laughs) So, yeah, that was mine. It wasn't like horror, but it, I, it was the first book in a long time, the first book in a long, long time where I had that like just one more chapter mentality. Oh, that's, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you're like, I can't leave it. Yeah. I want to know so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, totally recommend. Nice. Right on. Thanks. Are you big into like the thriller genre? Do you know a lot of thrillers? I don't read a ton of them, but I do love them. Yeah. I feel like I'm always on the hunt for, like, a good scary story. Yeah. But I feel like, okay, this is my theory. I feel like horror and comedy mm-hmm. are, like, very similar. Mm-hmm. I really do, because I feel like just, like, how comedy kind of requires a very specific sense of humor in mm-hmm. order to really, like, hit the mark, 
I feel like it's the same for horror. Like, yeah. it depends on what you're afraid of. That totally makes sense. You know? Yeah, there, it's going to hit everyone super differently. Yeah. Like, there can be aspects of, like, ugh, that sucks. Yeah. That's scary. That's kind of creepy. Versus, like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? Like, yeah. Because we're working on our, our spooky superlatives. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for us. Yeah. Um... And I was thinking about, like, one of our categories is the scariest book we've ever read. Yeah. And I'm like, what is a scary book? Yeah. Might have you ever been scared by a book? Like, had the book ever had you, like, <laughs> I think so, but it's hard to remember. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, like, scrolling through my Goodreads trying to remember, yeah. like, the scary books that I've read. Mm-hmm. I do love creepy books. Yeah. And I want to read, like, I, well, I don't, I'm not into, like, gore horror at yeah. all, but, like, yeah, I don't know if there's actually been a book that's had me, like, oh, I can't sleep, I'm just thinking about, has there been one for you? Yes. Okay, so we'll find out about it. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, should we, would you rather? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Would you rather accidentally drop your favorite book into a toilet Ooh. or watch it get sliced and diced in a wood chipper? Ooh. <laughs> Wood chipper. At least I wouldn't have to fish it out of a toilet. But Ooh. then it'd be root, like, it'd be gone, gone, I guess, versus if it's in a, t- like, water damage is, yes, bad, but it's recoverable. Like, you can yes. still read the book, usually. Right. It's just a little wrinkly. <laughs> Are you dropping it, like, pre poop? That's the question. That is the ultimate. That is the joke. Where is your bathroom process? Are you dropping your book? Yeah, it matters. Yeah, it matters. Also, why is it like? Is it your favorite because somebody gave it to you, or Or is is it just your favorite story that you can rebuy? Yeah, it matters. Not your favorite story that you can rebuy. Let's get that off the table because I think that'd be obvious. Yeah, like. Just rebuy one. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. Okay. So favorite in terms of like sentimental, sentimental value. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. If it's sentimental value, drop it in the toilet. Yes. <laughs> Flush it on drop down. Drop it in the toilet. Because <laughs> um, wood chipper is like demolished. You're never seeing even a piece of that again. Yes. Versus if you drop it in the toilet, provided there's not like shit stains all over it. <laughs> Gravy stains. Yeah. <laughs> then you can like fish it out. Yes. Let it dry. If it's like pee or poop covered, then I guess wood chipper it anyway. Yeah. Like you don't want to buy a hat. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yep. Fair. What about you? Yeah, I feel similarly. Like if ugh, yeah. Toilet water for sure. Unless it is post This is some bodily fluids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so yuck yuck. And then how do you feel calm like I don't know. You can't just prop that on your bookshelf with like <laughs> Yellowed pages, <laughs> and not like the cool, like you know, old book yellowed pages. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I'd have to wood chipper it. Mm-hmm. So but if it's just toilet water, yeah, I'll drop it in the toilet and fish it back out. Totally no fine. Shame. No shame. No shame. Yeah. No. Yeah. None. I fished my phone out of the toilet before, so. Have you actually? <laughs> yeah, I've dropped my phone. When you, like, I, there's been times where I put it in my back pocket, mm-hmm. and then you're pulling down your pants. Yes. And it, it pops right out. It pops out. Like, come on. But at least it's before. Yeah. It's pre-bodily fluids, so. Did you have to, like, do a little rice technique? Yeah. Did it work? Huh? No. Um, 
Honestly, I will say losing my phone or, like, dropping it in the toilet, I think, is one of my, like, biggest fears. Yeah. It actually is. Now, ever since that happened, now I always take it out and put it someplace yes. on a counter or, you know, on the little uh, toilet holder. I if you're in a public too. stall. Yeah. The amount of times, though, I've forgotten it in there and then oh, I have to come back for it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Terrifying. Yeah. I've definitely put mine, like, in the little... The you know like the, the toilet seat cover yes yes the toilet seat cover <laughs> thing it in there. I just slipped it in there yeah and I'm like oh great safekeeping yeah. perfect you. holder yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah God but um, we would rather we, not have either yep we'd rather be reading that <laughs> we'd book. rather be reading that book yep <laughs> okay see you next time. <laughs>